Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. What is going on, everybody? And welcome to a special Monday morning edition of the Stochastic. NHL Strategy Show, sponsored by Prize Picks. I am your host, Josh Harris. We're here early because DraftKings didn't fuck it up. They actually put the uh, all six games on a slate all day. I guess there's nothing else going or going on today, so they had to do it. We got some nice GPPs uh, on DraftKings today. I didn't look at FanDuel because I don't remember my password, but I do know the FanDuel pricing. Don't worry. Um Joining me as always, Slim Cliffy, home from his weekend escapades. How you feeling? Uh, feel pretty good, actually. Feeling rested for today. Got a good night's sleep in me last night, so I'd be uh, spry uh, for today. I don't know if I'm actually spry. Um, that might take a couple more days, but no, feeling good. Um, I, I like slates like today because um, there's a lot you can do with them, right? Um, where you have games starting all day long. You, you're not necessarily set to just one lineup. You can kind of adjust it as you go along, depending on what happens and what you need. Like, you know, we're going to talk about the games. There's two, <laughs> the very first two games on the slate at 1 p.m. Eastern are probably two of the most, are probably the two critical games on this slate, right? You should have a pretty good idea uh, of where you stand by four o'clock Eastern, right? So, um there's a lot that you can do with those final four games you can swap around your lineups you can just fade the early games and see if you can adjust after that you can um you know you can just play cashy uh, a cashy style lineup if you want and fade those early games like there's a uh, these slates are nice because there is a lot you can do i know if you're playing 150 lineups that might get a little bit tough you keep crunching all day long um but you know if you're single entry three maxing five entry ten entry something like that there's a lot of different stuff that you can do with your lineups um, to not only get unique, but to just kind of play along with the slate as the day goes on, because there are, you know, two games at uh, one o'clock Eastern. There's two games at uh, four o'clock Eastern. I think two games at seven o'clock Eastern, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe one of those late games a little bit later. But either way, you, you could kind of play along with the slate all day long, and, and that's why I, I really dig days like today. And I'm thankful DraftKings included those early games. Yeah, and I see uh, Tokyo Swan in the chat says, I've got a phobia of playing early NHL games. I have that phobia too. Here's the problem. The two home teams in the 1 o'clock game, Boston Bruins have a four total. Florida Panthers have a 4.4 total. Yeah, that is the problem. Those are those are the two, they're the two highest totals on the slate, and it's not even really close. Like the next closest to Boston is a half goal behind. Like those two, you know, Florida and Boston are way out in front in the implied goal total race. So – yeah, those are really two crucial games. And like I said, you should kind of have an idea of where you stand by, you know, 3.30 Eastern or whatever it is. And um, <laughs> it 
should be pretty interesting to see uh, what happens in those games. I can't wait to talk about them. Yeah, just, like if you're fading those early games, buckle your seatbelt because that could be a bumpy ride. Um, I see a whole bunch of you in here early. Thank you. Uh, make sure to smash that like button while you're here. Uh, we also have a nice deal where you can get 50% off a weekly or monthly um, subscription. No, I mean, it doesn't include any non-FC subscription. You can always add it on after. But yeah, 50% off, great deal. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, I see uh, stochastic projections for NHL doesn't seem to update after lock. is ruled out. I think uh, the best thing for that is if you aren't getting updates on the projections, be in the Discord because when we rule someone out, a lot of people always ask, what's the best strategy to, you know, do I swap to this guy? Do I swap to that guy? Get in the Discord. Ask the question. There's always someone who will answer that for you. Um, make sure to smash that like button. We're also sponsored by Prize Picks. We'll have a nice deal for them in a little bit. Um, Josh looks like <laughs> Emac coming in hot. Josh looks like it was a tiresome weekend. Cliffy looks all refreshed and relaxed from his car ride and trip to the salon. That's my secret. I'm always tired. Um, Cliffy. Always looks good. Me, I I need a haircut with the seven hairs on the top of my head. I think that might be the problem. Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, let's get into the slate, shall we? Six games. First game of the night. Auto, or first game of the day, I should say. Ottawa Senators with a 2.4 total heading into Boston. The Bruins have a four total. Kevin Mandelise, Jeremy Swayman are probable. <clears throat> Looks like Jake DeBrusque is going to be back today on the top line with Marshan and Bergeron, which slides Pasternak down on the second line with Pavel Zaksha and David Krejci. Senators played yesterday. They beat the Blues 7-1. to Absolute. I mean, the Blues are just bad now. They traded a couple of their guys. They got no depth. Goalies are awful. So, But going back back to back on the road into Boston is one of the worst matchups you can have. The Bergeron line is going to absolutely shut down. The Stutzel, Kachuk, Giroux line don't have too much interest in them. If you happen to get there in 150, have like one or two Ottawa ones, I think that's fine. I think, you know, this is a Boston game. There's not much ownership here compared to uh, the Florida Panthers, and this is a four total. So if you are looking to fade uh, the Florida Panthers chalk, I think the Boston Bruins is a nice pivot. Yeah, it, it is for sure. I, I, I think the problem, I mean the problem. First, we I, I get that this is a schedule loss for Ottawa. Like, um, there are times where you just look at a schedule and you know a team should lose a game. Back-to-back on the road, early afternoon start on a Monday going into Boston is a schedule loss for the Ottawa Senators. By the same token, they, um, as somebody in our Discord pointed out this morning, they beat Boston twice already this year, and they beat Boston once last year. Like this is, it, it was. It's kind of like that Montreal Toronto thing we talked about on Saturday. Even though you know Toronto ended up winning five one, um, I don't think that was a huge surprise. Um, it seems like Ottawa is is just always seems to get up free games against Boston. Now it's one of those things like you know Boston's been at the top of the conference for you know ten years now, so it's kind of like one of those measuring stick games. But I could see Ottawa kind of getting up for this but it is just such a brutal matchup like if there was if this was like one of 28 other teams I would be pretty interested in playing the Ottawa Senators because you know there's not going to be much ownership on them here um just going by our top stacks tool 
top two lines are going to be combined under 1% owned. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's not going to be a whole lot of uh, ownership here. Um, you know, in a better matchup, there'd be a little bit more, but I still don't think there'd be that many people would be avoiding Ottawa. It's just, can you full stack a, top, a 20K, 19.9K, 20K top line going into Boston up against the Bergeron Marchand sh- shutdown line, right? It's, it's just not something that I'd be interested in. You know, if you want to one-off some players, I think that's certainly fine for the Ottawa side. You can one-off Stutzler. You can one-off Kachuk. You can one-off Batherson or something like that. I just don't know if I would fold, like, three-man forward stack any Ottawa line. Like, you know, that Boston top line for, you know, they have struggled to score at times this year. It's something you and I have brought up a lot. Um, Shooting percentage problems. Still, one you know, 1.9 expected goals against, 1.5 actual goals against with Jake DeBrusque on that top line this season. They just shut down everybody. So, yeah, if you want a one-off like a Chuck or a Stutzla, I, I think that's fine. Like a Chuck still, he his projection isn't high for, um, you know, for his price because he is $7,500. That is a hefty, hefty um, price. But he's still a top 10 winger by overall projections on this slate. So bad value. But it's not like we're there's nothing expected from them. Um, so yes, one offs I think are fine. I just don't know if I would get to full stacking Ottawa. The question is what to do with the Boston side because you know you're right. I don't think there's going to be anywhere near as much ownership on them or yeah on them as there is on Florida, Anaheim and Ottawa. Just aren't really terrible teams. Um, I you know I do think maybe they they come up a, a little bit because they're not super expensive, like maybe around 15% um, in some single entry contests or something like that. Um, and maybe even higher because maybe people will be worried about, um, you know, line combinations later in the slate because you don't want to um, necessarily have to scramble um, if, you know, a player changes lines or a player gets injured. Like we won't know because there aren't morning skates for a lot of these teams. So maybe the ownership does come in a little bit high, but there are just a number of ways to stack the Boston Bruins, right? That's the nice thing about using them. You can just stack the top line if you want because they're perfectly correlated on the power play. You can just stack the second line if you want because they have been so dominant offensively this year, even if their shooting percentage is riding high. Like that second line of Krejci, Zaka, Pasternak, um, shooting almost 15% this season, that's high. Like 10% would be a solid, a good number for them. Anything above 11% like you're really starting to worry about regression. So that's going to come down. Um, but they're, they're still f- good offensively. Um, you can power play stack, right? You can just, you know, add Pasternak to the top line and go with four forwards. You can, and then add McAvoy. You can onslaught stack, um, Josh stack, uh, use six Boston skaters uh, in a lineup. There are just so many ways you can use Boston, especially because, as somebody in our Discord pointed out this morning, there are ice time issues with this team, right? Um, I think I was looking this morning, four out of 13 of Bergeron's most recent games, he's played around 14 minutes or less. Like, do you want to pay up for Bergeron and have him play 15 minutes? Now, the thing about that is, is if he's played 14 minutes here in this game, two things have happened. He either got injured or they blew out Ottawa. And if they're blowing out Ottawa, there's a good chance he's involved, right? So, yes, there are ice time issues in a nutshell, but I'm not overly concerned about them because if he's not getting ice time, it's because they're blowing out the sense or he's hurt. Like, that's just basically it. So, um, I, I, I get those problems. I, I don't think they're as 
uh, as important as we might think, just because of the situation that would dictate their ice time, not necessarily just we're only going to play Bergeron 14 minutes no matter what. So um, I wouldn't worry about that too, too much. I, you know, I would definitely just stack Boston one perfectly correlated top line. Uh, maybe they come in around 15 percent. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, but I, I think there are just so many interesting costs in here that desperate to get away from a much chalkier Florida side. Yeah, I mean, you know, David Pasternak's currently projected 13 percent in the stochastic projections. I mean. Like 13% David Pasternak. I know he's expensive, but uh, Matty Kachuk, $1,100 cheaper, almost triple the ownership. So I don't know. David Pasternak could be an interesting one off as well in a four total. I think you can pair him with with Zacha or Krejci, whatever you want to do. Like you could power play stack the Bruins if you wanted to. I mean, their power play hasn't been great, but like there's plenty of ways to get in Boston. Like, yeah, full stacking as well. I, I always don't mind full stacking the top line because they're fully correlated, but leaving off Pasternak out of a Boston stack feels kind of bad, kind of like how you stack the Oilers without McDavid feels kind of bad. But you can just, you know, full stack Boston one, add in Pasternak. There's plenty of ways to uh, get creative with Boston here. I, I just don't know on the sense, like 2.4 road total, early game. Yeah, probably just, you know one-offs or just full-out fade. Like, in my, I'm playing one lineup today. They're not going to be in my lineup. But if you're getting to 20 to 150, you can have a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I'm with that. Like, I'm not going to have an Ottawa stack. Maybe I have a one-off forward or, you know, a, a cheap defenseman or something. But I'm not going to be stacking the sense. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one. Anaheim Ducks with a 2.5 total. Heading into Florida, the Panthers have a 4.4 total. John Gibson probable. Sergey Bobrovsky is confirmed. <clears throat> Sam Ryan, or excuse me, Sam Bennett is still out. Um, Bounus, no, not Bounus, whatever his name is. Another, oh, Paul Maurice, <clears throat> excuse me, said no lineup changes. I don't know if that means Barkov Kachuk for Hagee because they went to that line in the last game. That's something you're going to need to see in warmups. Yeah, no, no line of changes to me just indicates they're not expecting Bennett or Duclair back. Not necessarily that they're going to use the same line combinations, right? Yeah. So you have to wait and see if it is for Hagee, Barkov, Kachuk. That line is, you know, really, really good. They're just getting so much ownership. It's just going to be quite like look, the projection on Verhage, Barkov, Kachuk right now is fifty point four on DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> that's like Edmonton one esque and they're cheaper. Excuse me. My voice is, I don't know. My voice is Monday morning. Um, you look down at that second line, Reinhardt and power play one 35%. You know what I mean? So like, I don't even know, like there's probably ways to get different. I think one of them is maybe, you know, just full power play stack and getting both those defensemen in there. But like if you're stacking Florida here, you're just going to have to be aware. You're going to have to get a little bit different here. And then on the flip side, like we had no interest really in the Sens because this is a tough matchup. You know, Florida is a big favorite here, but they are pretty high event. They aren't the best team defensively. Now the Barkov Kachuk line for hate with Verhage, just insane numbers. If they get, you know, the 
you know, the Strom Zegris Grant matchup, I, I don't have too much interest there. So maybe I'm looking at a Henrik McTavish two man here. They're not getting too much ownership. Like I, I don't mind taking pieces of the Ducks here uh, compared to the Senators. I'd much rather play the Ducks. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, um, you know, they're, there might be some slightly over-owned Ducks players, but it's not really a huge concern for me um, on a slate of this size. And it's worth pointing out, Anaheim does have an, a higher implied total than Ottawa. The same implied total as Philly and 0.1 less than Winnipeg. So, you know, it's not like they're the bottom of the barrel uh, for road teams here today. It's just how bad they are defensively um, Probably is probably going to lead to a few goals against here for them. Um Yes, we just have to watch for what the lineups are going to be at warmups because if they do use Barkov, Verhage, Kachuk, um, I, you know, it seems pretty reasonable to say you're going to see super heavy ownership on that specific trio, right? Because you're going to get two out of three, at least two out of three on the top power play unit. Um, they do have incredible numbers together this year at like, <laughs> as you were mentioning, uh, Verhage, Barkov, Kachuk are up to 175 minutes at 5-on-5 five five this year. 4.9 expected goals for per 60 minutes. Um, I think that's like 90% higher than the league average. Uh, 4.8 actual goals per 60 minutes. I, again, that's about 90% higher than the league average. Like They are just absolutely running over the competition. That's why the projection is so high uh, for them in this matchup, along with who they're facing. Um so it is a, obviously it would be an excellent line if they're together. Now, if Luster Reinen is there, what we talked about on the last show is like when Luster Reinen was playing with Kachuk, is Luster Reinen and Kachuk have been pretty good together this season. Like Luster Reinen is not really a great offensive player, but he's pretty good defensively. And I think he's good at like creating turnovers to get the puck going the other way pretty quickly. And, you know, those rush shots and uh, rush chances really, really help. Um, so I don't – I wouldn't even mind playing Lusterine and Kachuk and Verhage if they're together. Like, Lusterine and Kachuk, 4.2 expected goals for um, so far this season. But uh, four, seven actual goals for because they're shooting, you know, over 15%. But you even cut that in half, and they're still well, well, well above uh, league average in scoring. They're just generating so much on the ice, whether it's Barkov or whether it's Lusterine. So, you know, we'll just have to see what it looks like at warm-ups. But, again, I think Florida – is another team like Boston where you can do a lot of different things with the line combinations, right? Because, um, you know, even if Barkov, uh, Verhage, um, and Kachuk are together on the same line, like at best, you're probably going to get um, two players on that line on the top power play unit. Um, you know, Verhage has been there on and off basically over the last month. Um, he certainly has seen, um, sometime on the top power play unit. Um, I was just looking through uh, their last game against uh, Nashville, and uh, he was taken off again for Brandon Montour. But, you know, you could get them perfectly correlated. You know, Verhage's just having a great season, you know, on his own. Um, like, he's on pace for over 40 goals. Um, he's getting some power play time, which is helping. Uh, you know, obviously Kachuk is doing what Kachuk is doing. Like it would just be a great line combination. Now, if Barkov is with Lundell and Reinhardt, that does change things for me because as you and I have talked about on the show, that line's just not very good offensively. 2.2 expected goals for 
1.8 actual goals for per 60 minutes and 165 minutes together. That's not really a small sample. I think that's like 15 games worth of ice time, um, 15 full games. Reinhardt has been shooting quite a bit lately. He has 42 shots in his last 10 games. Um, but, you know, the kind of the trade-off for that is that Alexander Barkov is not shooting a lot. He has 15 shots in his last um, five um, five games, and I think he only has like 10 in his last four or something like that. So, like, he's not shooting. So, like, that's the trade-off here. And if they are together, you're still going to get two out of three on the top power play, you know, with Barkov and Reinhardt. And they're going to be cheaper and they're going to be wildly owned, right? Um, you know, if it is Barkov, Reinhardt, Lundell, the current projection is over 40% on DraftKings. I I don't know if, if it's Barkov, Reinhardt, Lundell, I don't know if I could play that line at that ownership. I don't care what the matchup is, right? Um, it, it's just too much. It, it would be a case where I would start taking off or adding players to the stack. Make it a power play stack by taking out Lundell and putting in Kachuk, right? Um, make it, you know, a full power play stack by adding in Kachuk and going and going double defenseman. Um, use Montour Ekblad as a double defenseman just and, you know, not use any Florida forwards. Like, they're, I think if I'm playing the Florida Panthers here today and Barkoff is with Lundell and Reinhardt, the one thing I'm not doing is just slamming in Lundell, Barkoff, Reinhardt, and that's it, right? Um, I'm adding a defenseman. I'm adding Kachuk. I'm going double defenseman. I'm doing something else to that lineup than just playing a 40% own line. Um, we'll have to see what warm-ups start. I would really, really like to see Barkoff between Verhege and Kachuk. Um, I think that would start concentrating the ownership even more. But at that point, you could get a little funky with your stacks. You could take off for Hagee and put in Reinhardt, go full power play. Again, you can go double defenseman. So we'll just have to see when warm-ups start. But all I'll say is that for Hagee and Barkov are the wingers that you probably want to use. Or, sorry, for Hagee and Barkov. For Hagee and Kachuk. And whether it's Barkov or Luce to Reinen, I would be interested in playing either. It wouldn't really matter. I do think there is merit to fading Florida here. Just flat out fading them. Obviously, um, six game slate, 41% top line ownership, 23% second line ownership, throw in some power plays, some Josh stacks, some broken stacks, you know, uh, whatever. You might see seven out of 10 lineups have some sort of Florida power, Florida stack in them. Um, anywhere between like 15, 70%. That's just such heavy ownership. I think there is merit to fading Florida and just playing Boston, but it could end your day pretty quickly. Like you could just be, um, your day could be over by the middle of the afternoon. That's the risk you you run if you do fade them. But I think there is merit to it. On the Anaheim side, I, I agree with you. I think there is some stuff to like on that Anaheim side. Grant and Z and Grant and Strom, sorry, for as bad as they are defensively, every Anaheim line is bad defensively. Um, they have been good offensively. 3.3 expected goals for 2.9 actual goals for per 60 minutes this season. Grant isn't bad isn't a bad offensive player um he does put himself in good scoring chance positions um he's just really really bad defensively as is ryan strome it gets them pinned in their in their own zone a fair bit and if it is barkoff or hagee kachuk that's going to be their matchup and they're probably going to spend a lot of time in their zone that's the problem but i do like like a two-man of like um Zegers and Grant, Stroman Grant, something like that. I do like that Florida side. 
I'm not sure I would, or Anna, Anaheim, I'm not sure I would go down to the Anaheim second line. Like Max Jones and Mason McTavish just have not played well together this year. Um, two expected goals per 60 minutes and over 200 minutes together. I don't think Adam Henrique is going to be the key to unlocking their offensive upside um, beyond being 20% worse than league average. So 25% worse. So for me, um, it's Grant and Zegers and Strom, probably some two-man combination out of that. That's where I'm looking on the Anaheim side. Yeah. <clears throat> on the Florida side, like depending like how you mentioned, if Barkov is in between uh, Reinhardt and Lundell, I'm just going to whatever line Kachuk is on, basically, and then working around that. Kachuk's their best offensive player. It's not particularly close. He's the, stop, the straw that stirs the drink for the Panthers. Um, like if, if it is uh, E2 Usteran in between um, Verhage and Kachuk, you can full stack that line, you can power play stack, you could do all sorts of things. Um, <clears throat> I would also be looking to fade straight up stacking Barkov, Reinhardt, Lundell. There's plenty of ways you can do that, though. You could Barkov, Reinhardt, Kachuk, Barkov, Reinhardt. You know, Ekblad, Montour, like you mentioned, it's just we have to wait and see on the lines here. I think maybe, hopefully, that keeps the ownership down a little bit. Like Cliffy said, you could just full out fade Florida, buckle your seatbelt. If they go nuts, your day's done. You can enter the uh, the Pittsburgh uh, Islander showdown. There's 10K to first in that one. So your day would not be totally lost. You can enter some showdown. You can do that anyway, but... There is some merit to fading that high of ownership and just hope they bust. But Anaheim Ducks might be the worst defensive team in the NHL. So could be a, a very rocky ride if you do, you know, fade. But there is merit. Like Cliffy said, you could see seven of ten lineups have some sort of Florida. Yay. Now we can get to talk about the Flyers. You know, with Nick Delorier up on the top line of Travis Konechny. <laughs> Philadelphia Flyers with a 2.5 total heading into Calgary. The Flames have a 3.5 total. Carter Hart, Jacob Markstrom, probable. Not much ownership here on the on the Flames. This is a good five-on-five matchup, not the best power play matchup. The Flames split power play units anyway, so I'm not sure like you go out and power play stack the Flames here anyway since they split power play. Looks like Elias Lindholm is going to be back in the lineup in between Toffoli and Dubé. Again, I think, you know, there's three playable lines here on the Flames. I think my least favorite would be that Lindholm to Foley Dubé line. I think with five on five being the primary way to attack them here, I think Backlund, Coleman, Mangiapane would be my favorite. And then I'd go Kadri, Huberdeau, uh, Peltier. I think, you know, Huberdeau is starting to shoot the puck a little bit more. He still hasn't had a great season, but his price is very cheap. So um, I don't mind either of the the Kadri or uh, back on lines here. On the Flyers here, if it is Markstrom, Markstrom's had an awful season. Not that, like, Vodar has had a great season, but, like, the Flames are really good defensively. They just have had bad goaltending. There's absolutely no ownership on the Flyers here. I don't think I'd full stack anything, but don't mind a one-off or two-man from the Flyers here. Yeah, I I mean, I'll, I'll just start with the Flyers side. Uh, you brought up Nick Delorey playing with Travis Konechny. Like, they started the game together this year, but as every Flyers game seems to have done for about the last two months, 
line combinations just exploded in the second half of the game and guys were playing all over the place. My best guess is that we, I think we see some sort of connect me Van Riemsdyk frost line. Um, and then Tippett, Lawton, Hayes. That's just a guess. They, like I said, they completely blew up their lines last game. Um, they're on the road. So I haven't seen practices uh, from them, obviously, uh, this is a four Eastern start, but it's in Calgary. So I think that's a two o'clock start. Like you're not local time. Like you're not going to get line combinations until warm up. So it's saying exactly what to play on the flyer side when you don't know where anybody's really playing is kind of tough. But um, one thing I will say is that Tippett and Lawton have played pretty well together this year. Like I think Scott Lawton's one of the more underrated players in the NHL. Um, he's been pretty good. Like good defensively for a few years now, and I think he's starting to add an offensive game dimension to his games. Rather, um, Tippett and Lawton on the ice this season for the Flyers: 140 minutes together, 3.1 expected goals for. Problem is, is they're shooting six percent, um, just over six percent. Like if they're shooting, you know, ten percent or something like that, they'd be well above league average um, in scoring. So hopefully, we can see some positive regression there. Um, if they play together, I do have interest. I also have interest in Konechny and Van Riemsdyk if they do play together. Now, Konechny, Van Riemsdyk, and Frost is a line I'm assuming. I'm a little bit worried about that line because Morgan Frost isn't really having that great of a season. I was looking at some different data this morning, and his scoring chance assists at 5-on-5, five five, which is just – uh, the, you know, how often he assists on a teammate's scoring chance offensively uh, is worse on the Flyers, like worse than Nick Delorier, whom we were just making fun of for his offensive uh, inability in the NHL, let's call it. So I'm not sure Frost will really help that line. And if it's like, if they do leave Konechny with Delorier, like at least Delorier is good defensively. Like he is a black hole offensively, but at least he's good defensively. So he brings something to that line. Um, you know, uh, Frost and, and Konechny would ostensibly be on the same power play unit together, whether, I mean, their, their power plays are like their lines. They change up basically every single game. Um, so I would have a little bit of interest in like a, a Konechny Van Riemsdyk two man, but I think that's the line that would see the back of the Mangiapane Coleman line. And I don't want any part of that matchup. So it would be Tippett Lawton and, and Hayes. I would go to if that's what the line is. Um, we do have that line together um, in our top stacks tool, 2.4% uh, top two probability, 1.2% ownership. So there is positive leverage here. Um, you know, they're coming in much lower owned um, than um, other lines in that range. Uh, you know, especially the Islanders that we'll talk to in a little bit. I think the Rangers are going to come in much higher owned. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, I think is going to come in much higher owned as well. So, there is some merit to using like a Hayes Tippett Lawton, some two man out of that. Um, I think, especially where they're going to avoid the Coleman line on the Calgary side. Oh God. You know, like you said, there are three playable lines here. Um, I think I would go with the Backland Coleman Mangiapane line. Now I know they might come in with the most ownership because I think they are their best line at five on five. Um, but the main reason is that it's not a good power play matchup for the Flames. The Flyers are at 2.8 times shorthanded uh, per game this season. Um, you know, it's well below the league average. That's over 10% lower than the league average. The penalty kill 
We talked about it Saturday and it continues. It has been really, really good for months now. Like basically going back to the middle of November, we're going on three months of a really, really good Flyers penalty kill. And, you know, the Flames have kind of split up their power play units, you know, and guys on the third line are actually getting power play time. Now I think Backlund's on one unit, Manchipani's on the other. They're not correlated. At least they're getting some power play time. But, you know, the split power play time hurts the guys further up the lineup. It doesn't help them necessarily, right? It, but it could help the third line a little bit. So I, it is Bakken, Coleman, Mangiapane, especially just, you know, how lights out they really have been um, this season. 4.3 expected goals for over the last month. 5.6 actual goals for. Backlund has 30 shots in his last 10 games. Coleman has 29. Mangiapane's under the, quote, top power play unit now. There are a lot of reasons to play him. They might be the highest on Calgary line, but I also think it's the best line. And at a certain point, I just want to pay, play the best line that a team has, and that's this one. So Calgary three for me. But like you said, I think every Calgary line is in play. I just think this is a spot where the power play means less than it normally does. For that reason, the five-on-five play means more. Uh, and for that reason, I would go with Calgary three. Agreed there. As we mentioned off the top, we are sponsored by Prize Picks, and you can get one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum and up to a $100 deposit match bonus with Prize Picks when you sign up and make a deposit. Make sure to click that link in the description if you're interested in Prize Picks daily prop based contest. No sharks, optimizers, and mass entries. If you're interested in some NHL Prize Picks, our boss at Jake Hari on Twitter has a six pack of picks up there. I was looking through uh, Prize Picks today. Couple two of them that Jake has as well stood out to me, and I'll give you another one as well. Artemi Panarin, more than half an assist, which means he'll register an assist today. Also, David Pasternak, more than half a goal. It's always a good bet to bet on David Pasternak scoring. The other one that I like that Jake does not have on his picks on his Twitter is Jacob Truba over two and a half blocks. So if you're interested in playing some NHL prize picks, Check out uh, at Jake Hari. He loves your interaction. Go uh, tell him that he's a fish. Or if you like him, like the picks, just tell him. Uh, he has a six-pack of picks up for $25. You can win $625 if they all cash. Make sure to click that link in the description. Get your one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum and your $100 deposit match bonus. So make sure to check that out. Let's move on to the next game. We have... The Seattle Kraken with a 3.5 total heading into San Jose. The Sharks have a three total. Senor Fiesta, Martin Jones is probable. James Reimer is confirmed. Uh, Timo got banged up in the last game. I have not seen an update on him. Have you seen one at all? Yeah, so... Like, I, I don't know if, if Quinn's going to talk. I don't know um, an update here. They may hold him out for, you know, precautionary trade reasons. I don't know. I don't, like, Sharks, that line, I would be interested. Hurdle Meyer. It's just, like, Seattle's a good defensive team. The goalies just suck. Like, Martin Jones has a really good winning record, but his his numbers are just terrible. So I have to wait and see on if Myers in. They're not getting much ownership here, so I think there'd be a very sneaky contrarian option here tonight. It's just a question of can you wait until 3.30 with your lineup to get them in. 
Uh, on the flip side, I, I do have some interest in the Seattle side. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like, I, I think, you know, the Yanni Gord, Bjorkstrand, Tolvin in line is going to be the more popular. Um, but I also don't mind going to the Beniers, uh, McCann, Eberle line. I, th- I think, you know, from power play correlation, Bjorkstrand, Tolvin is on the same unit. And then Eberle and Beniers are on the same unit. So you get two out of three on the power play. Not that Seattle's power play is anything special. They, they're pretty bad. So I think, you know, I just full on stack either the Beniers or the Bjorkstrand line. Yeah, the Seattle power play's got some serious Montreal power play vibes to it. It's not pretty. Um, before I break down this game, I just want to mention again with the prize picks. Um, if you do a stochastic membership, there's a player prop shot and goal, sh- shot on goal and goal uh, tool that you can use. Um, it shows uh, the prop odds, the projection that we have for certain players, um, expected win percentage, expected ROI, etc. So you can, you know, call Palmieri has. Um, the highest expected ROI for his shot prop uh, today. And, you know, that kind of information is available every day. Jake and Alex um, update throughout the day. So there are tools here that you can use specifically for prize picks. Uh, so um, just a, one other way that we can help people uh, make a little bit of money here, hopefully. Just saw literally posted f- like five minutes ago um, from Curtis Pashelka from the Sharks, one of their beat writers. The Sharks called up a Ford and a defenseman this morning. That's not they good. said they said they said LeBanc and Meyer were questionable, and we'll find out later. Th- that says to me that at least one guy is questionable and one guy is out, if not both out. And there's a pretty good chance that they run 11 7. Um, that would be kind of a mess. And, you know, Meyer and LeBanc being out takes two-thirds of the top line away. So you have no idea what they would do with their lines. You know, do they put, like, Benino and Sturm with Hurdle or something like that, right? Like, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, We'll have to see what it looks like. I'm going to assume for now that Meyer and LeBanc are not playing. Um, That would be why San Jose would have made those call-ups. So, Meyer and LeBanc are out. I don't know how much interest I really have in San Jose. Um, because here's the problem. San Jose's second line, Couture, Essamont, and Bear Banoff. Um, you know, two out of three guys would be on the top power play unit. That's nice. Seattle's penalty kill has generally not been good this year. It's gotten a little bit better of late, but still middle of the league, like nothing really exciting. Um but Meyer's just such a big part of that offense, you know, at all strengths. Um, it's kind of like what we talked about with Troy Terry 
uh, when he went down for Anaheim, it's like you don't really want to, um, you know, stack a whole lot unless he's in the lineup. I don't want to, you know, kind of belabor the point about how important uh, Timo Meyer is, but I'll just talk about at five on five. Uh, if you look at players across the league at five on five over the last two seasons, Timo Meyer is seventh, seventh amongst all forwards in expected goals for impact for his team. Um, you know, the, the guys above him are like Jason Robertson, Matt Kachuk, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, right? Like that's how important Meyer is to this team offensively. And I think they could struggle to generate when he's not there. It, and it's not just expected goals impact, like his actual goals impact over that span. Um, it's like top 40 in the league or something like that. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, like in the neighborhood of like Brady Kachuk, Sidney Crosby, like that's the kind of level of impact we're talking about. If Meyer is out, I just don't have much interest. You know, it, like you, thanks for playing the music earlier. Uh, it would, if it is Senior Fiesta in net, even if it's Grubauer, it doesn't really matter. Yes, the Seattle goaltending can completely let them down on any given day, and that would be a reason to play San Jose. Um, you know, and the Sharks probably come in with very little ownership. Um, you know, whatever the line combinations are, because the line combinations aren't going to be known until warmups. But when you take such a big engine off the team, it's kind of like unless Eric Carlson can really, really, really have a monster game, it seems like they're really going to struggle to generate offense and it just doesn't get me excited. So like if my, uh, I'm assuming Meyer's out and if Meyer is out, you know, like a one-off, you know, like Essamont, I think is fine. Essamont's been shooting quite a bit lately. Um, he's over three shots per game since he got to San Jose. I don't think like that's a lot <laughs> over three shots per game in a 14 game span. It's pretty good. So yeah, one off there, something like that. I think that's fine. But with Meyer out, and you know, even with LeBanc out, I don't think I'll be full stacking the Sharks. It's what to do with San Jose or with Seattle, sorry, because they're like Calgary. They do have three playable lines, right? Um, and you're seeing relatively even ownership across them, three and a half percent to seven and a half percent between the three lines. Um, Seattle's been pretty good defensively as well, which is another thing that worries me about playing San Jose. Like I was looking. Over their last 20 games, their expected goals against is like sixth in the league, like just behind teams like Boston and Vegas. Um, so where they're playing so well defensively, Myers out. Like a, it seems like San Jose is like a pretty easy, easy pass. So with Seattle, I would probably just go to the Beneers, Everly, and uh, McCann line, like you said. They're going to get that Couture matchup. The Couture matchup... They've been generating a lot of offense, but they've been well below average defensively by both expected goals and actual goals against the five on five. San Jose penalty kill, um, still good, but not elite or anything like that over their last 20 games. Maybe the Seattle power play can scrape up a goal, um, you know, in that span. Um, but that's, you know, that's uh, Seattle top uh, line of Beneers and Everly really been dominant 2.8 expected goals for 1.7 against in their last 60 minutes together. So that's where I would go on the Seattle side, but I agree with you. I think there are three playable lines. Um, the one I don't think I would play is Schwartz, Wenberg and Tanev it's playing Brandon Tanev, a, a much an over-owned Brandon Tanev. Like this is one of the most over leveraged lines that we have um, on the slate here tonight, the second most over leveraged line. So it would be the Gord line or it would be the Beneers line, but it's the Beneers line that I'm leaning to in this one. I, I just like that matchup against Couture.
Yeah, and they're coming in lower owned than Gord, Bjorkstrand, Tolvanen. You can play that line. They have very similar projections. Um, <clears throat> you know, if you have a preference, you can play them. I prefer the Beniers line as well, but I know a lot of people who love the Gord, Bjorkstrand, Tolvanen line, myself included. I just want to get lower ownership in this matchup with a similar projection. Let's move on to the next one. This game could be a debacle here. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets with a 2.6 total heading into New York. The Rangers have a 3.3 total. Winnipeg played last night with Hellebuck. They lost to the Devils 4-2, so it's probably going to be Dave Riddich in that. I want to jump in there real quick. Um, Hellebuck only saw 28 shots last night, and I think it was uh, Murat Ates asked Rick Bonus if he was tempted to start Hellebuck back-to-back because Riddick had to play a few games in a row there while Hellebuck was sick. And he said something to the effect of, like, no comment or we'll see or you'll find out or something like that. I don't know, man. Like, it seems like um, uh, Winnipeg, you know, Winnipeg lost lost yesterday, sorry. Um, They've lost two games in a row. Um, I think they've lost something like, uh, you know, five of their last seven or five of their last eight. Like I could really see them going back to Hellebuck here tonight. It's certainly possible. Yeah. I I just want to mention that because I remember a beat writer specifically asking about these two games and whether Hellebuck can start both and bonus seemed to kind of indicate that, yeah, it's at least possible. Yeah. Rick Bonus also a, a class A clown. So it could be just coach speak. Rangers, Igor Shesterkin is confirmed. Um, Rangers back home after a long West Coast road trip. This is three and four and four and six for them. Uh, Rangers going with Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, and Jimmy VC, Panarin, Trocek, and Tarasenko, and then the kids. Um, I like these line combinations better than with Tarasenko up with Zibanejad and Kreider. Zibanejad, Kreider, and Tarasenko are playing to such a low pace. Uh, Zibanejad and Kreider and VC have very good numbers together. Tarasenko and Panarin playing together makes sense. Panarin seems to love playing with Tarasenko. They're good buddies. I just don't know how much I'm going to have in this game. It's it just like it it worries me always that the first game back after a long road trip is always a letdown spot. This is also three and four, four and six. That being said, Winnipeg is back-to-back on the road. We haven't had an update on Nikolai Ehlers either, who left the game with a head injury, a, a suspected head injury. The lines the Jets ran last night were absolutely awful. If anything, I like the Rangers side just based off the fact that they're home and they have a higher total. I just don't know how much I'm going to get to this game in my one-to-three lineups. Yeah, it's this is a tough game, um, you know, especially uh, because of um, – Nick Ehlers. Um, it doesn't look like Ehlers is going to play tonight. They think it might be a concussion. Obviously, if it's if they even suspect it's a concussion, he's not playing back-to-back games after leaving. Uh, you know what I mean? So if he's out, like, I mean, who knows what those Winnipeg lines are going to look like. Like, they were such a disaster, even with um, Ehlers in the lineup. Like, they were trying to basically run three scoring lines, and that put – you know, Adam Lowry on the top line, Mason Appleton on the second line, um, you know, Saku Metalinen playing with Kyle Connor. Like, it's absolutely caved last night, too. <laughs> Color me shocked yeah. that Winnipeg's worst forward didn't help 
uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. Um, so what those lines look like, I mean, we just don't know. And I doubt we'll know until warmups. That's a problem for Winnipeg. Um, Shifley and Perfidi, I mean, who they end up playing with, like they started, um, they played with uh, Mason Appleton for almost, I think for almost the entire game last game. They have been playing with Blake Wheeler a little bit. But I looked at Shifley and Perfidi's numbers without the three wingers, without Wheeler, without Ehlers, without Connor. Not good, man. Uh, 1.9 expected goals for, 2.1 expected goals against. Now they're actually scoring at a good clip, 3.8 actual goals, but it's because they're shooting almost 15%. Um, you know, if you go down to 10%, which would still be well, well above league average, you know, all of a sudden that line is scoring like 2.6 goals, which is about league average. So I, I'm worried about some cool down from that. Um, if, you know, if they still, if they're still playing with Mason Appleton, which we don't know. So at the very least, I think I'm out on the Shifley Perfidi line. God. That brings me to Kyle Connor playing with Saku Menelainen. I just... I don't get it. Like Menelain is just one of those players. I just, I don't even know why he's like getting regular minutes, let alone playing with what is possibly their top power play unit. Um, Menelain in so far this season has played uh, about 380 minutes um, at even strength. His expected goals impact amongst the Jets forwards is the absolute worst, and it's not even close. And if you look across the league, um, he's basically like, I think, like seventh percentile impact. Like, terrible. Uh, he, you said it. They got ran over last night. I think they're going to get run over here again tonight because um, Trocek and Panarin typically have been a good line this season. Um you know, Trocek and Panarin, uh, 120 minutes since Christmas, 2.6 expected goals for, 2.8 against. Not great, strict expected goals numbers, but Zibanejad and Panarin typically don't have super elite expected goals numbers. Those guys are those are guys that thrive on shooting percentages, on percentages. Um, but then, you know, you mix that with, you know, not great defensive numbers, but they're not awful. And then Igor Shosturkin behind that. Do I want to play Kyle Connor skating alongside Saku Menelainen? Absolutely not. Um, so I think I'm out, I'm just out on Winnipeg. I, I think I would treat them like I would treat Ottawa here today, and I mean that because um, I don't. There's no stack that I want to use because I don't think the line combinations are that we have are good. And if they make new line combinations, we're not going to get them until uh, 6:30 Eastern or whatever. And there's only two games left on the slate by that point. Um, so it would be, you know, I guess a one-off uh, Kyle Connor. Um, I think a one-off Shifley, uh, you know, does make sense. He's probably going to have to play heavy minutes, um, something like that. I just don't know if there's a three-man forward unit I'm stacking from Winnipeg. On the Rangers side, um, something I brought up on Saturday's show was Banjad and Tarasenko not really generating a lot. Um, with those two guys on the ice, they were at 30 shot attempts per 60 minutes which is like half of what you would want to see from a line. Now they got broken up, but what I wanted to mention was when it was the Rangers' recent schedule. Uh, the five games that Tarasenko have played at home versus Seattle, and I just talked about how good they've been defensively lately, at Carolina, at Vancouver, at Edmonton, at Calgary, 
Four of those five teams have been amongst the six best defensive teams in the league since Christmas. So they were brutal, brutal matchups for the Rangers almost across the board other than Vancouver. So I wouldn't take a whole lot away from what Tarasenko has done in the five games so far. I, I would just keep paying attention to what they do coming up because, you know, the schedule does get a little bit easier. Um, Detroit next, then Washington, then Los Angeles, then Philly, then Ottawa. So after the next five games, I think we should have a better idea. But Trocek and Panarin have played well together this year. As I said, um, you know, Tarasenko got moved up to the top power play unit in Trocek's spot. So you still get two out of three guys on the top power play unit. It's just not a good power play spot. Winnipeg's penalty kill has been pretty good all season. Plus, Hellebuck might start again. Plus, they don't take a lot of penalties. Plus, you know, the Rangers might split power play time a little bit if they do keep swapping power play players. So I, I, I think I would just go to Rangers too. Um, but I think the Rangers do, uh, kind of like some other teams here, do have three playable lines here tonight. Um, which is nice because that should help spread out ownership. But I think overall, I'm kind of with you. I'm not super stoked to stack any line on either side here. Yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, we get to warm-ups and Pierre Locke Dubois playing with Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler or something. I don't know. There just, like, isn't a line combination if Ehlers is out that I'm super interested in. Although maybe, like, if Dubois and Connor are playing with Perfidi or they're, they're playing with – Wheeler, maybe I have some interest there, but like I, I don't know. We that's it's a big question mark. So we'll have to wait and see. We have uh 330 of you in the chat. Thank you very much. Make sure to smash that like button if you haven't already. And we have a special deal for uh exclusively for the listeners of this show. The only way to get it is if you click the link in the description, you can get 50% off a weekly or monthly NHL package. Once you click on the link, it will generate the code that you need uh, necessary. There's no code you have to enter. You just click the link. It will auto-populate, and you'll get a 50% off weekly, which is under $10 now. The, the normal price is $20, and the monthly is under $30. The normal price there is $60. You get access to all the tools that we have, projections, ownership, top stacks. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, rankings and you get the most important part in for my personal belief is the discord the discord is unbelievable uh it's a very nice community uh you also get you know alerts when there's players out you get you know a bunch of sharp minds a lot of people willing to help you besides cliffy myself and jake there's 
tons of people in there willing to help you. This is the lineup builder up on the screen, which Cliffy has a lineup kind of built already. So the lineup builder, if you are a premium member, you get the line combinations, you get the ownership projections, you get the line projections, you get the power play designations and such. So it is an unbelievable tool. I use it every day. I use it to go through the show. I use it to build my lineup. So Cliffy kind of has a lineup built. What do you got in there? Yeah, I just I decided to go with the Boston top line stack, fade, you know, fade Florida. Uh, so Boston top line went with our Calgary third line as well. Um, and I'm using Tristan Jari. We'll talk about Pittsburgh next, but it looks like Tristan Jari starting tonight. He's 6,500 on DK. Probably going to be super chalky, but, um, you know, 6,500 is a nice savings and it allows me to get in our Eric Carlson pretty easily. Like I said, I think if San Jose generates a bunch, you know, a few goals here tonight, it's largely going to be because of Eric Carlson. So don't mind taking a chance on him. It's just about looking for a cheap defenseman. Um, I'm going to throw in another Calgary blue liner. I'm going to put Chris Tanev in there. Now, you see the 78-point projection. It's not projecting that well because we don't have a Jari projection because he's not because he just got confirmed. I assume Jari's probably going to be at around 13, 14 points. So, you know, that brings our projection up to about 91, 92 points. And, you know, you can see the salary, ownership percentage projection, stock projection. It's it's how quickly you can build a lineup um, in the lineup builder and see, you know, what fits, what doesn't, what they're projecting for, you know, what you can use together. Uh, just really, really helpful um, if, if you're playing like a single entry, three max, something like that. Yep, and that is the lineup that we or Cliffy built. And also, if you use the weekly, if you do the choose the weekly option tomorrow, there is a monster 444 contest with 150k to first. I would assume the other GPPs are going to be big as well. There will also be a big slate on Thursday. I think there is another decent slate on Friday and Saturday. So it'll take you through till next Monday. You'll get five decent pretty big slates and tomorrow is going to be the biggest GPP that DraftKings has ever ran outside of the world hockey or the world, whatever the fantasy hockey world championship. So make sure to, the only way to get it is click the link in the description. It will populate the code for you. You don't have to enter anything and we'll go from there. Let's move on to the last game of the night. The New York Islanders with a 2.8 total heading into Pittsburgh. The Penguins have a 3.2 total. Elias Sorokin is probable. Tristan Yari is confirmed. He is mid-price on DraftKings, like Cliffy just mentioned. Also, Matt Barzell is going to be out indefinitely. That really hurts the Islanders as he's probably their best playmaking forward. Uh, Not probably, he is. So it's going to be interesting to see what the line combinations are going to be. I think that obviously hurts Bo Horvat. That hurts the Islanders big time. I like the Pittsburgh side here. The top line's not getting much ownership. Uh, always stacking against Sorokin, not ideal. They just they played recently. The Penguins' top line scored a bunch of goals there, so don't mind going back to Pittsburgh. One on the Islanders side, it's kind of hard to say what the line combinations are going to be. But if Nelson and Palmieri are together. I have interest there. They have very good numbers together. Yeah, Nelson and Palmieri are going to be playing together. I just saw a line combination. So they're going Lee Horvat, uh, Holmstrom, Prize, Nelson, Palmieri, and then, you know, a bunch of guys. Um, Here's the thing is that um, Nelson and Palmieri do have very good numbers together, but it's only with Anders Lee as the left winger. 
Um, if you look at the numbers over the last two seasons, Nelson, Lee, Palmieri, absolutely dynamite. 4.7 expected goals for, 3.8 actual goals for, just outstanding offensive numbers at five on five. Nelson and Palmieri without Anders Lee on their line. 240 minutes together, that is not a small sample. We're looking at like 25 games worth of ice time or something like that. Um, 2.6 expected goals for, 2.4 expected goals against, under a 52% expected goal share. Um, so they go from a 63.5% goal share to a 51.5% goal share without Anders Lee. He is a big, big part Um of the success that Brock Nelson has had in the NHL over the last few seasons. Um, you know, Lee just, he really does help generate a lot down low, which is, you know, the prime scoring areas. Um, and they're not going to get, um, they're just not going to get the same thing out of Zach Parise. Like, I'm sorry, they're just not. In fact, Parise and Brock Nelson in their 60 minutes together, 2.4 expected goals for 3.2 against. They're getting caved in. Um, I just don't think that's going to be a very good line for the Islanders. So I'm out on Parise, Nelson, Palmieri, actually. I, if Anders Lee was there, I had that line written down and circled as a line I was going to play tonight of Lee, um, Lee, Nelson, Palmieri, Lee, Horvat, Palmieri, either of those combinations, I was going to play them. These specific combinations, Holmstrom on the top line, Zach Parise on the second line. Is that what we're doing? I'm out. Um, you know, I just, yeah, Casey DeSmith is starting. So, or sorry, Tristan and Tristan Jari is starting. So I think he's a, a pretty reasonable upgrade over Casey DeSmith as long as he's healthy. Um, so I'm, at the very least, I'm out on the Islanders second line. The Islanders top line, you know, you're not going to have a sample. Horvat just got there. Um, you know, he hasn't played a lot with Holmstrom, obviously. Um, so you're not going to get a sample over the full line, um, for that top line. However, uh, Bo Horvat and Anders Lee have played a little bit together this year. Um, you know, three or four games, they've been a really high pace line generating a lot of attempts for, but allowing it get a lot against as well. Um, so if they're going to be trading chances, I don't mind a two bad of like a two man of like Horvat and Lee or something like that, you know? If Jari's not on his game or something like that, the Pittsburgh penalty kill, no team is allowing more shots on the penalty kill than the Penguins over the last 20 games. Not Anaheim, not Arizona, not any of those teams. It's Pittsburgh. Um, so, I, you know, I think losing Barzal is going to hurt the power play, obviously, but I do think there are reasons to play that Islanders top line, or at least the duo of Lee, of Lee and Horvat. Um against uh uh Pittsburgh here tonight you know maybe Jerry's not in his game the Pittsburgh penalty kill has been terrible there's good leverage on that Islanders line um there's going to be good leverage on that Islanders line uh so I don't mind Islanders one as kind of a contrarian play here but obviously this is about Pittsburgh um I would just go to the top line they're all their problems are shooting percentage related um since Christmas, 4.1 expected goals for, but they're shooting 6%. If they're shooting 10%, they're one of the best offensive lines in the league over the last two months. Like that, though, that's what we're that's what we're talking about here. So um, I do like the top line. Sorokin does scare me. Sorokin always scares me. People are gonna have to make that decision for themselves. 
Um, but I do like the top line. I don't think the Islanders, either of the Islanders' top two lines are going to be particularly good defensively. It's just whether they can break through Sorokin. It's a tall task, um, but that Pittsburgh top line uh, coming in as one of the best leverage spots on the entire slate, um, the most leverage at 11.5%. I really do like Pittsburgh one here, even if they are facing Sorokin. Yeah, I do as well. I just, you know, losing Barbell is going to be a brutal hit for them. Everybody. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like San Jose I losing Meyer, right? I mean, like their power play still might be okay because you don't really need – I guess like the problem the problem for the Islanders' power play now is who's going to enter the, the zone with the puck? It, it was Barzell who was the guy who get into the zone. I guess Horvat – Yeah, because Lee's not doing it. Horvat's not doing it. Palmieri I don't think is going to do it. Um, I mean, I, I hope Noah Dobson's sharpened his skates this morning. Yeah. So like if, you know – they can get set up, they might be fine, but getting set up if the puck gets cleared could be an issue because Barzell was the one getting into the zone. So I don't know. Like I don't mind like a one-off Nelson, a one-off Lee, a one-off Horvat, but yeah, I'm on the Pittsburgh side here. Um you know, I Islanders are generally a bad defensive team anyway. Sorokin's just saved their their ass the whole season. But yeah, I, I do really like going to Pittsburgh one here. That is the six gamer here coming up after us. Guess what? There's nothing coming up after us because we are the only show in town today. We should talk about the little gremlins who live behind the blue line, the defensemen. Who you like on D today? I mean, I say in almost every show when they play tonight's going to be absolutely no exception because he's a stone bin price, Simone Benoit from Anaheim, right? Seems like it's a pretty reasonable chance the Florida Panthers generate like 40 to 50 shots in this game. Um, Benoit for Anaheim, like he's not a good offensive defenseman or anything like that. Not um, good. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah, he's probably just not good. But he's second in ice time on their blue line late of late, like over their last five games or whatever. He's stone men and loves to block shots. Like it seems pretty reasonable. You could hit the DK block bonus here. So I like Benoit um, and Carlo actually, and Brandstrom from Ottawa because with Sanderson out, Brandstrom's been getting more ice time. Not a great spot, obviously, for him, but, you know, 2,700 for 21, 22 minutes of ice time, I'll take that in almost any matchup for any defenseman. Um, if you need, you know, going up a little bit more, I'm wondering about Michael Stone for Calgary. He's getting about 15 minutes of ice time. Like, he's playable at 3,100, certainly not 4,400 earlier this season or whatever it was. Um, Rasmus Ristolainen, I guess, is in play if they're going to use him on the power play from time to time. Um, that's something that uh, our buddy Mr. G mentioned in the Discord this morning is that Rasmus Ristolainen is playing net front on the power play at times for the Flyers. So, I guess. Um, if you're in that mid-price range on DraftKings, I think they're, you know, the two obvious ones are in the early games, Forsling and Lindholm uh, from Florida and Boston, respectively. Neil Pionk, now that Winnipeg's running two power play units, Neil Pionk's getting power play, meaningful power play minutes. So I guess he's fine, but it's still not a good matchup. I think Jeff Petrie makes a nice pivot in Pittsburgh. He's like 4,300, I think, on DraftKings. Pretty reasonable price. You know, 21, 22 minutes in a good matchup. It's just, again, it's just Sorokin you have to worry about. 
Uh, Noah Hannafin uh, from Calgary as well. Like I said, in that game, I think it's five on five. I'd focus on more than the power play. I know they split up the power play units. He is getting power play time, but Rasmus Anderson, he's he's been important for the power play. His power play has been important for his production, not so much for Hannafin. Now, for the expensive guys like Ekblad and McAvoy, it's kind of like Forsling and Lindholm. It's the same thing with the early games. Like, obviously, those guys are in play. Uh, Chris Letang, I, obviously, I think for Pittsburgh um, at home in that late game. Eric Carlson, I think, is the interesting guy on this slate because I don't think people are going to be super excited to play him um, without Timo Myers um, in the lineup. And like I said, I think if they generate anything offensively, it's going to have to be off the back of Eric Carlson. So I think there is merit to playing Carlson, uh, even if he's not projecting that well for his price. Because I think if San Jose does somehow go off for like four or five goals here tonight, it's probably because Carlson's heavily involved. Yeah. Don't have too much to add there. Goalie became was interesting before Yari got confirmed. Now I think he's going to be very chalky, but anyone else you like him besides Yari? Oh, goalie is very interesting. Do we have to pay $7,000 plus for a goalie here tonight? I say we don't. There are three goalies in that $6,000 range, 65 to 6,900 range. There's John Gibson going into Florida, Kevin Mandelis going into Boston, and then obviously Jari at home to the Islanders. Now Jari's going to be like, he is going to be the highest owned goalie, and he is going to be like multitudes higher owned than Gibson or Mandelis. We just saw Kevin Mandelis have a, an absolutely unbelievable game. Um, in his first game for Ottawa, right? <laughs> like they went into the Islanders and he made 46 saves. Now um, going into Boston, I think is a different beast, but Boston has had their shooting percentage issues this year as the Islanders have at times. I, You know, and if you want to counteract the 50 to 75% ownership we might see on some Florida uh, uh, or on Florida in totality, then I think playing John Gibson does make sense too. Um I think I would lean Mandalese between the two. Like I would go Jari Mandalese then Gibson, but I think there's merit to playing all three here. If I'm paying up for a goalie a little bit more expensive, I think the one that's appealing to me is Elias Sorokin. Yeah, I think you can pay up for Sorokin. He's not. It's not really expensive. He's seventy six hundred. Also, Linus Olmark just got confirmed at eighty three hundred. I prefer him to Bob at eighty five hundred. I think there is legitimate shutout upside with Linus Olmark. So if you want to yeah. pay for a goalie, yeah. I think Olmark would be the guy. Yeah, it, for amongst the eight K plus goalies, it's Olmark for me. Yeah, and we had a question in chat. Can you guys go over a few of the chalk plays at the end for the new people? Yeah, so the chalk is pretty concentrated today. Pretty much <laughs> the Florida Panthers are going to be massive chalk. It's just one of the best spots on the slate. They're going up against one of the worst defensive teams on the slate. So, yeah, pretty much the top two lines for the Florida Panthers are going to be massive chalk. And on the goalie side, Tristan Yari, Min Price, who's a starting goalie in the NHL, is going to be massive chalk. But as we've talked about before on the show, like on some strategy stuff, like goalie ownership doesn't really matter. It's just a matter of – you know, who's going to get the most points or with a min price goalie like Yari, is he going to completely destroy your lineup? And I don't think Yari's going to completely destroy your lineup. I think it will allow you to get some things in that you couldn't beforehand. And also, you know, from the defensemen, I think the Florida Panthers defensemen are going to be pretty, pretty chalk as well. 
Yeah, I, I think Seattle's probably going to be pretty chalky, right? Because they do have three cheap-ish playable lines. I don't think the Beneers line is going to be that chalky. I think the Schwartz and um, the Gord lines are going to be fairly chalky because they're pretty cheap and you can fit them in pretty easily with the Florida and Boston stacks. So um, if you want to avoid the cheap chalk, I think not playing um, Seattle 2 and Seattle 3 is the way to go. It would just be Beneers or not play Seattle. Agreed there. You like my trick Uh might be a little bit overowned, but playing well for a great line in a good spot. Michael Backlund from the Calgary Flames. I'm gonna go Jared McCann from Seattle. Uh not ultra spicy like I normally do, but that's who I'm going with. I see my internet decided to uh not be great towards the end of the show here, but make sure to smash that like button on the way out. If you have any questions, make sure to hit us up on Twitter or especially in the discord. Good luck everybody tonight. We'll see you back tomorrow for some big old GPPs. Good luck tonight, everyone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.